Hello, everyone, and welcome to the October 13th, as in Friday, the 13th, creepy. 2006 edition of The Relevant Podcast. The Relevant Podcast is the audio companion to Relevant Magazine and RelevantMagazine.com. I'm Cameron Strang, and here with me is the editorial crew, as always, editorial director Kara Davis. Hello. Managing editor Adam Smith. And greetings and salutations. And web content producer Jesse Carey. Hello, all. And, uh, you know, we don't really have anything sinister planned for the podcast today, though if it shuts off intermittently and there's high-pitched screeching, you'll know yeah. it's because it's Friday the 13th. Yeah, the end um, of the world happened. Didn't we decide on another podcast to make some other day unlucky, like Friday the 11th or like the 22nd or something like that? Something like that. Yeah. It never I don't know really what happened with that. Yeah, it didn't <laughs> stick like most of our ideas. Yeah, I know. It's surprising that that didn't catch on as a cultural trend throughout the entire United States. Although like most another, of the things we say. On another here. one of ideas that has faded away that people are actually um, asking for is the editorial craft of the week. Where, where <laughs> I miss the craft. Yes. I miss the craft. I'll be working on that. So, so stay tuned later in the podcast. Surely. Something will happen yeah. that will spawn an editorial craft of the week, and you can draw pictures and send them in. I'm Basically, thinking, what we're saying is Spencer Freeling send us more stuff. <laughs> I'm thinking pinecone bird fears. Oh, those man. are always those that are always just favorite. Well, it is fall. Yeah, it it's is. a harvest time. Yeah, all you need is a pinecone and some changing. peanut butter. Yeah. Birds bird are hungry. Seat. Well, I like pinecone mm. decorations where we can put glue on them and glitter. And mm. other things you could use them for decorations that, on the house. That would be a little hazardous for the birds. That would be eating off them. Though. <laughs> <laughs> Any kind Those of are two uh, different things. One's in the house. One's out. Yeah. Unless you put the bird feeder in the house. If you like wildlife, I don't know. Or if you have house. domesticated birds like hey, parakeets. Whatever happened with the injured bird in our parking lot today? What? Oh, I uh, I <laughs> put it shuff- out of its misery. Shuffled it over out did of the it, way. Did it of move traffic. or did you pick it up? Um, I kind of herded it. It, it, moved. it moved on yeah, its own. Yeah, it moved. But I herded it over to the bushes so it wouldn't get hit by cars. So it could die in peace in yeah. our bushes. I'm a veritable Francis of Assisi. Well, if the you were Francis of Assisi, wouldn't he like be healed and fly away? I Rather than being not, herded to the edge of the parking lot? I chose not to dispense my grace upon Wouldn't him. you not use words? <laughs> so, entertainment release. Oh, i got to play some background music. Any requests? Not Neil Diamond. Journey. <laughs> hey, all right, so... I don't have any journey. Neil Diamond last week. Last week was an all Neil Diamond week um, because, you know, we need to educate the younger generation. Mm-hmm. You know, that's the thing. I did it as a public service announcement. Mm-hmm. Somebody instilled and mentored me in the Neil Diamond when I was impressionable. And I want to do the same for the college kids and the 20 somethings. Who did that for well, you? I am 30. <laughs> My mom. My mom. She raised me on Neil Diamond and. Uh, she R&B. raised you right. That's right. what she did. <laughs> that's right. That's a definition <laughs> right there. So, um, you know, I, I was doing this public service, and sometimes when you're, you know, you're, the parents, like, do things that are good for the kids, and the kids fight it, but in hindsight, they'll look back and say, I'm really glad my parents mm-hmm. made me do those chores, they didn't let me go out and party with the wrong crowd, you know, all those things. But at the time, you fight it. That's what's happening with, with the podcast last week. The, there's a post on the message board, fighting the Neil Diamond, 
hating the Neil Diamond, but really what's going to happen is in a year or two, when Neil Diamond comes on and they know Sweet Caroline, you know, and... And 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 the girl swoons. Yeah, you know They'll they're going to thank us. Well, and the thing is, it's all the people who are writing in saying that they don't like the Neil Diamond. It's because they have no love in their lives. Well, That's here's, true. here's the thing. May, maybe it's just because I I am a little younger than you guys, and haven't come to my appreciation Neil Diamond. But I'm going to side with the haters here. Well, I, you know, here's here's what it is, and, and I, you know, you're a young guy, so I can. It's okay. You're allowed to have this opinion. It's like fine wine. Mm-hmm. It's like a good brandy. <laughs> It's an acquired taste that typically is something that happens later in life. You yeah. know, it's like as you mature, your taste mature, it, your palate matures. Exactly. It's Neil not Diamond. for the immature palate. It's true. Neil Diamond is not for the immature you, palate. You go back to some 41 and All-American Rejects and, you know, <laughs> maybe some... Uh, Limp Biscuit mm-hmm, Stuff like that. And we'll, we'll keep rocking the Neil Diamond who's proven himself time and time again. <laughs> He's timeless. Now, uh, our educated readers um, who have a more refined uh, musical palette than even I. Actually, he wrote in and educated us about the uh, song that caught our attention about, you know, the young boy's dream riding across the moon. It's called Turn On Your Heart Light. And um, apparently, and I heard this from a number of sources, uh, so it's not just hearsay, hopefully, uh, that song isn't creepy. Uh, apparently, it's not about child molestation or, or boy love. It's about E.T., and apparently he wrote the song because of the movie E.T. And he said, turn on your heart light because like, you know, E.T.'s little heart light lights up. And the whole so thing. His finger. Oh. Didn't the heart, no, his heart light yeah. lights up too? Yeah, his heart lights up. Maybe right. you're too young yeah. to remember that. Maybe you were spending too much time listening to your pop punk bands. <laughs> Here's the thing. I, that song is as worthless as a space program. No, listen, listen. <laughs> listen. <laughs> wow. And then. And, and the whole thing about taking a trip across the moon was that scene where they're in the bike together going across the moon. Mm-hmm. So apparently it's not a man, about a man-boy relationship. It's about a boy-alien relationship, which is a lot cleaner. Yeah. so Totally innocent. Yes. So I, I, I apologize for saying disparaging assumptions about Neil Diamond. I should have known you would not have led us astray. Yeah. So. All right. But this week, no Neil Diamond. So this week I'm busting out a little uh, cross-genre appeal here you don't have to be a fan of r&b you don't have to be a fan of pop or rock you can everybody can find something in this song to hold on to it's we are the world from usa for africa see it's a good cause Mm -hmm. and uh, i'm still funding it i just bought this recently so (laughs) (laughs) that that makes their grand total for the last three years about two dollars yeah (laughs) So, uh, with we are in the world, we are the world playing in the background, which should unite us all. We have listeners all over the world: mm-hmm. Australia, England, Africa, all mm-hmm. over the world. Yeah, some random islands in the Pacific that I don't know about. Some moon colonies. <laughs> you know, we are the world. So, even though you guys are not in the U.S. and you actually can't see these movies and can't buy these <laughs> albums, I'm about to tell you about. Just remember, we are the world. Which is the U.S. foreign policy, actually. Um, coming out in theaters today, Friday the 13th, we have The Grudge 2. Spooky on Friday the 13th. You know, that, uh, that makes sense. You know, when I saw The Grudge, which I didn't, but when I saw the poster for The Grudge, I really thought, I hope there's a Grudge 2. I was terrified. I you saw, saw it? Oh, heck yeah. I saw it, and, you know, I, I, I was going in, I was like, Sarah Michelle Geller, But I was horrified. <laughs> Like, it was a legitimately scary movie. The new one looks scary. It looks really, really frightening. I've never understood 
the idea of paying eight bucks to get scared or oh, seeing something dark and occultic. Like yeah, there's it, nothing like it's it. It's really fun. Yeah, opening yourself to sleeping with the spirits. lights on sounds like a lot of fun. <laughs> uh, we also have Man of the Year, which looks like just biting political satire, very highbrow and intellectual comedy. Yeah, with Robin no, Williams, no doubt about it. Yeah. From yeah, from the most irrelevant comedian around. Yeah, Robin you know Williams. when I who cares? If you actually looked at the plot of this, it's the John Stewart character. Yeah, you know, becoming president. It could have been done so well. But when they, the moment they cast Robin Williams, they they dictated it, it the fate of this movie. Credit. Well, I think yeah. they were like, well, you know, when they were Hold making the second. argument. <laughs> Sorry, when they were making the argument, like, no, I think Robin Williams would be a better choice over Will Ferrell or Will Arnett, John Stewart. Yeah, and they were like, right. no, two letters for you, RV. Enough said. <laughs> Enough said. Sign Robin Williams yeah. up. <laughs> yeah. Um, also coming out, the Marine. With uh, John Cena, I guess he's a wrestler. wrestler. Yeah, mm-hmm. that that's got to be good too. So basically, the <laughs> the moral of the story is it's Friday the Thirteenth. A little spooky out there. Just stay home. Yeah, just stay go home. Ahead. You don't need to go out. Okay, coming out on Tuesday, albums we have "Badly Drawn Boy" with "Born in the UK." Very nice. We are the world. You know, they're born in the UK, but we are the world with them. Yeah. Jeremy Enoch with "World Waits." As I lay dying, shadows are security. Uh, Mason Jennings, if you need a reason, it's an EP. Dennison Whitmer with Safe Away. And Delirious, now is the time, live at Willow Creek. I'm sorry, isn't that Delirious? Yes, actually, there's a okay. question mark at the end. Delirious? Now is the time, live at Willow Creek. It's a CD and DVD. Also, UK brothers of ours. They are. Oh, we true. are the world. See, there's We're international... The Love fest going on right now. Mm-hmm. Have you ever seen the the video for We Are the World where it's showing all the people singing, and you've got all these legends of rock and roll. You got Michael Jackson in there. You've got Sting and all these people. And it's paying across, and there's Dan Aykroyd. <laughs> like, did he just wander in the back? Like, how did he get in here? Well, you got to remember this is mid '80s. Blues Brothers was early '80s, yeah. so he was a couple years after a singing role defined his career. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's all I can think. You know, I think my favorite email complaining about Neil Diamond, actually there were two of them, two separate ones, was from people who listen to the podcast while they're working out and or jogging. Right. And they, say there is, they said there was nothing, there's nothing that will sap the momentum and energy of, from you while you're working out more than Neil Diamond. Yeah. They're like, I got through the first one thinking it was a joke. And then by the end of the podcast, Aww. I just want to take a nap. <laughs> we should do like an all club version of the podcast. We should. Could we at least do jock jams? Exactly. Yeah. Maybe some queen. <laughs> oh man. I do have I do have a very inspiring song here, which we all know and love. Oh. Mm. If this doesn't get people motivated to go a little faster on the treadmill, <laughs> then they may yeah. have, they very well have no soul. Yeah, you look down, you're like, I can do it, I can power through. This is the final countdown. This is the world's longest intro. I actually skipped 45 seconds into the song, wow. and we still haven't gotten anywhere yet. <laughs> the intro is the best part. Yeah. I feel like we're about to see the Olympic Games <laughs> in in 1984. Like, right. Bruce Jenner yeah. is, uh, <laughs> is running down the track right now. Mark Spitz swimming back and forth in the pool with all his might. <laughs> Michael Dukakis campaigning. <laughs> This is his campaign at, theme song. At the Olympics. <laughs> the Olympics. He it was, was carrying glorious. the American flag. In a tank. 
a tank top. <laughs> and that's why he lost. <laughs> he, some people just shouldn't wear tank tops. That'll do it for entertainment releases. Up next, Slices. You're listening to The Killers. The song is When You Were Young, currently playing now on Relevant TV. It's actually a really interesting video, um, somewhat provocative, though nobody's mentioned it in the comments section. It's it's about um, adultery. Yeah. And it's a very, very compelling video um, about a relationship that, that uh, you know, uh, there's cheating and then, you know, reconciliation or not reconciliation but uh the wife that was cheated on turns to god the whole video is kind of her running to the cross and there's very strong spiritual message in it it's very interesting it's it's a great i mean i take back some of what i said about the killers album because that song is very infectious um and it's good reason it's the first single but yeah i mean it shows her in church uh, sitting at the foot of a cross a very very compelling video so you're saying that you found that it's grown on you with some added musical maturity. <laughs> Much like... His palate is slowly yeah, maturely. slowly. Wow. By next week, maybe you'll be willing to give Neil Diamond a I, shot. If you listen... If you next l- week? Maybe maybe in a couple months. Yeah. <laughs> it's going to take It's a for while. a mature palate. If you listen to the opening of that song, um, it sounds very much uh, U2, like, um, Beautiful Day era. Like, the riff, and yeah. it's, you know, real anthem and poppy. You know, whenever a group like The Killers, who has so had a definable sound, comes out with an album that departs from it in some way, inevitably there's very strong initial reactions from the fans who are angry about the departure, from people who uh, like the new departure, you know, whatever. Strong opinions are immediately formed, but the problem with that is is you got to let this sit on your palate for a little while. you got to listen to it and inevitably the things that didn't connect with you right away will grow on you and this the album gets better yeah and, time. and i'll be honest one of the things that swayed me for this was i was reading an interview with brandon flowers who's the lead singer and the critics were just like destroying the album but they said a lot of it was because beforehand he said that he was comparing the album to bruce springsteen he said it's gonna be the biggest the best album in the last 20 years <laughs> and so as a reaction to that the critics just tore it up not on the merit of the music, but because Brandon Flowers was being so cocky. So but he was really being cocky when, like, being no. Well, he went back and said he went back and said, you know, that he's like, honestly, I think that's what rock rock and roll's missing is a little swagger. He's mm-hmm. like, what what's wrong with trying to make a big great album? It's just because band, it's not cool to do that anymore. We don't care. And it was like, you know what? He's right. <laughs> band should think that their album they should make these huge epic albums that they think are going to change the world. Because Just that's like, what rock and We are making was. the best podcast. That's right. Known to man. And there's no reason we shouldn't be better than OST. That's right. And, <laughs> and, and <laughs> you know, if critics can't see that... Or listeners... Just, yeah, it's just because there's something fundamentally wrong with the podcast market today. Well, their their palate's not mature enough. Yeah, it's yeah. true. Well, I, I got to say, speaking of critical um, ratings, our podcast, since we asked our listeners to go back and rate, and they've almost, the amount of, of reviews that we've had have almost doubled in the iTunes store. Mm. Wow, thanks, we've got, guys. We've got almost over 100 now, hey. and we've maintained a rating of four and a half out of five stars. Ooh, thank you. Granted, we are asking people to. <laughs> to <laughs> and what's wrong with that? Yeah. That's what's missing in this podcast yeah, industry. Exactly. It really is the swagger. That's what's missing. Exactly. 
and we've got it. We've got that swagger. It's, it's not. It's not pride that the Bible no. talks about. Swagger is not pride. We just know who we are in Christ. Yeah, swagger. Well, we're good. We know. You know, it. the, we like, are made in the image of that's Christ. Right. I, I just keep thinking of Jimmy Swaggart every time I hear the word swagger. It's what's missing. There's got missing to be a parallel Seriously, somewhere. That's, a whole, that's the Holy Spirit convicting us. Pride <laughs> came before his fall. Hey. Did you I'm know Jimmy thinking, Swagger is the cousin of Jerry Lee Lewis? I did. Of Great Balls of Fire fame? Who was on that. Letterman last week, and it was really interesting. It was Jerry Lee Lewis and... He's still alive? Hold on. Jerry Lee Lewis and... Not Burke Bacharach, but a guy like that. Neil, guitar player. Diamond. Young? Neil Young. Oh, wow. Serious. It was Neil Young... And Jerry Lee Lewis on on Letterman. Neil Young and Neil Diamond are the same in my mind. <laughs> oh, no, please. <laughs> Neil Young is awesome. He's a crazy um, horse. So wait a second. You just affirmed you just affirmed what Kara said. You said she said they're the same and you said Neil Young is awesome. And so that's Neil a, Diamond being yeah. awesome makes them the same. Pretty much. <laughs> uh, every time I think of Jerry Lee Lewis, it's in Walk the Line. And, oh, yeah. uh, and and they're like driving in the car. He's like, "Are we going to hell for the music we sing?" And it, what what's um? Well, he grew up. He grew up in the Assemblies of God denomination. He was. Uh, I, I'm not going to misspeak, but I, I've heard he was a pastor or involved in the church and leadership. And it was a U2 situation where the church made him decide between his devil music or God, and he chose his music. And, and sleeping with his cousin. And sleeping with 13, right. marrying 13 year old um, girls. Since but, then, though, he's gone back to the church from what I've heard. I have heard that as well. Devoutly religious person. But, but I think it's interesting that he's, you know, cousins with Jimmy Swagger, one of the fa- most famous, you know, preachers of the mm-hmm. 80s. So. Yeah. At the beginning of the podcast, you heard Lupe Fiasco. Uh, the song is called I Gotcha, which is uh, a cool video, positive hip hop. Um, he actually has a wife in the video, which I've never seen in a hip hop video. A husband and wife relationship. Hmm. So it's like Sonny and Cher. I got you, babe. It's. I think it's a throwback. <laughs> it is. It is very well, 80s. It's, it's, the video. Huh? The video is very 80s visually. Well, yeah, like the 80s toy. It's just retro yeah. stuff. Yeah. Rubik's Cubes and stuff that like that. Lupe. That Lupe. He's, he's doing good stuff. He's a fiasco. <laughs> Speaking of Lupe fiasco and progressive hip-hop, positive hip-hop, coming up later on the... Uh, podcast today we have well i guess in the next segment an interview with pigeon john uh rapper pigeon john uh, has a new album out called pigeon john and the summertime pool party uh just came out on quantum records a few weeks ago and uh, we talked to him about that and you'll hear some of the album so definitely stay tuned for that but first we have slices and here's kara davis good morning america aired a a two-part interview with mel gibson um yesterday and today in which he discussed what happened a few weeks ago when he was arrested for a DUI and said some horrible things, which he later apologized for. And uh, he, he started talking about kind of falling off the wagon. And he said, years go by and you're fine. Then all of a sudden, in a heartbeat, in an instant, on an impulse, somebody shoves a glass of mezcal in front of your nose and says, it's from Oaxaca. It's a place in Mexico. Diane Sawyer mentioned that, you know, there are some people now who prefer not to work with Mel Gibson after what happened. And, and Gibson said, I feel sad because they've obviously been hurt and frightened and offended enough to feel that they have to do that. He says, um, it's their choice. There's nothing I can do about that. So sounds like he's being pretty humble about it. I don't know what other way you could be about what happened, but yeah, yeah. I mean, if how could th- there not be people that don't want to work with him? You know, 
I mean, you see the pictures too of when he had the beard, and he looked pretty frightening there. <laughs> but anyway, well, this is this story. It does have the most deceiving headline I've ever read, as Kara pointed out. The headline is: "Young shoppers want to pay with chip and skin." No. Yes. Well, I was like, ooh, this would be a good little slice. And it, it's not bad, but... <laughs> it's actually not interesting at all, but we're going to read it to you because of the headline. No, but, um, you know, oh, apocalypse coming? What? Um, but it's actually only 8% of 13 to 9-year-olds surveyed, and this was done by a grocery shopping think tank, um, said that they would, be, uh, would not be opposed to the idea of having microchip implants. So and well, it's also see, in England, right? Yeah, in it's the in UK. England. But but it's thirteen year olds, and see, they think that they could just pay magically with this chip that they don't <laughs> actually have to have money mm. or anything like that. So it's like, would you basically like free stuff by waving your hand? Yes, <laughs> I'm pretty <laughs> sure. Still, only eight percent said. I'm right. pretty sure by thirteen, you have some you know no. concept. They probably have wrong. their own credit cards. <laughs> Completely wrong. But the the survey also. It said that a cashless society is not, it probably won't happen in the next 10 years. Wednesday morning on the way to work, I heard on NPR that there is a cafe. I heard that too. In DC. I heard that it too. That is going um, credit card and debit card only. They will not accept cash. Well, they've been doing it for six months. Yeah. Yes. And they said that it's, um, for a small business owner, it's really easy because they don't have to worry about cash and uh, making change and yeah, making change, keeping it safe and cash. Well, she said she, you know, her her business is growing and she's been traveling more. And when the staff gets beyond where she has a personal relationship with everybody and trust the few people who work for her, it's more people and more people are handling money, making deposits, and whatever. She feels that the security of the small business is put more in jeopardy. And that if she just goes cashless and credit card receipts, that there's no room for staff shrinkage errors or accounting I st- stealing. I mean, it it's right on the money. This is legal tender for all debts, public and private. Well, like, it, how can you turn they down said in DC, cash? In DC is legal. It's legal. Yeah. Huh. And probably because it's not a state; it's a district. Right, and she also can <clears throat> convince the credit card company to lower the per transaction fee for the credit card since she told him she was going all plastic. I, I, I can't remember the last time I've, I spent cash on anything. I never have cash. Yeah, I don't either. It, the other day at lunch, Jeremy was saying something. He said uh, he he only pays cash because he said you actually end up spending more money if you put on debit cards or credit cards. And think about this, this mindset. Mm-hmm. You go into Target and something's twenty seven ninety nine, and then, oh, that little thing, two ninety nine. that, oh, that little thing, whatever. You end up spending 50 60 80 bucks when you went in there just for one thing, for 30 And if you would have just walked in with 30 bucks in your pocket, you would have walked out spending yeah. 30 bucks. I, I disagree, because let's say I have a $10 bill. bill. discipline. I, I have a, yeah, I have a $10 bill in my pocket. I spend it, and it's broken into, you know, I got $3.75 in change. If I have three $1 bills and a bunch of change, I'm going to buy a drink, some sodas, go to the snack machine. <laughs> You know? Well, you know, I do have to say that I, I use cash usually because th- my transactions are shady enough that I don't want to pay for drink. That's why is somebody like you. My wife and I actually switched over where all of our finances go through American Express. Like every dime we spend, including our bills, everything go through mm-hmm. Amex. Because then um, at the end of the month, we just have one bill to pay. And you have to pay it in full, so you can't accrue debt. And uh, you get points. And Amex points are like free manna from heaven because you get real things, you can shop at real stores, and they're really easy to accrue. And if all of your money 
is going through Amex, which doesn't cost you anything. You know, right. I mean, it's not like I'm paying interest or anything like that. So I'm getting something for nothing, basically. Um, Amex is getting paid by the retailers, not by me. So it doesn't do any different by me, and I'm getting free stuff every month. Yeah. I mean, it's like, it's awesome. Yeah, you buy groceries for like six months, and then one day out of nowhere, there's a jet ski sitting <laughs> on your front porch. <laughs> well, you know, I mean, if you're just going to do little purchases here and there, they're never going to add up. But if you seriously pushed all your money over to Amex, which is what we did, it adds up fast. I've gotten video iPods. I've wow. gotten, um, you know, trips. I've gotten really nice items for completely free and that's like the fun stuff like that was kind of why we did it it was like i didn't want to actually spend money on these little like impulsive extravagances so i don't i spend amex points well i yeah i wish the same applied for something like let's say pepsi points which the sunglasses (laughs) i got were so crappy for the amount of pepsi that i drank to get those things yeah and the license to chill far overrated you know the interest on that thing was through the roof (laughs) All right, so uh, James Woolsey, who was a former head of the CIA. I like his name. Woolsey. That's what I would call him if we were friends. Woolsey Woolsey. Hey, Woolsey. Hey, Jimbo Woolsey. It just sounds Um, like a nickname, Woolsey. But the thing is, if you you call the former head of the CIA something like that, and he's going to garrot you. Woolsey would be a great sidekick, you know? Hey, there's Jesse and Woolsey, you know? (laughs) If you're a teller, Sounds like a guy, if you're having a party, you want to invite Woolsey. Everybody's going to have a good time if Woolsey's there. Yeah. Yeah. I picture him as kind of a little plump. You know, but like he's the fun guy. He's always around. He's like in trouble. He's the guy who yeah. knows all the Neil Diamond songs for the piano. <laughs> yeah, yes. and he sits around. He goes Put home. on your heart light. This is about ET. Yeah, <laughs> just want to tell everyone this is about ET. Not um, small children. <laughs> but he's the guy who goes home alone and cries himself to sleep every night. Yeah, yeah. Well, Woolsey always he always ends up alone. Well, he only has superficial relationships. Everybody wants him because he's funny. Yeah. But he uses funny as a defense to hide his loneliness. Yeah, he's a, a lovable loser. He's the kind of guy who walks into a room with a birthday cake and trips and falls face first, <laughs> and everyone laughs. And you know, he's the life of the party. Oh, Woolsey. Yeah. Then he goes home and cries bitter, bitter tears. That's Why just no Woolsey. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, tears of a clown. I liken him to like rerun on what's happening. Yes, you know. <laughs> yes. Hey, there's Woolsey, but a little. Older and whiter. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but he's yeah. still wearing the big pants and suspenders. Yeah. And when every walks in the room, wah, 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 that place. <laughs> wow, that and was amazing. And he does the same rerun dance. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, he heads up the most powerful intelligence agency in the world. <laughs> <laughs> That's the strange part about Woolsey. Um, <laughs> but he just got the job because everybody likes him and trusts him. Yeah, he's like, oh, it's Woolsey. He's he got a cool just fell guy. into it. Yeah. Oh, like the cake. Got a job's open? I got this buddy who'd be great for that. <laughs> he knows every Neil Diamond song on piano. <laughs> this guy is hilarious. Yeah, he, he, can, he, he can eat like 10 Snickers at one time. <laughs> it's hilarious. I'll he'll, get him. His name's Woolsey. all in his mouth at the same time. It's so funny. You have to see it. He's one of Bush's frat boy buddies. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> he, he was a drinking yeah, buddy. This guy dad, used to do keg stands. You would not <laughs> believe it. His dad was like a Yale, like prim and proper. But they get loosely. Like I picture him like he was like a uh, Jim Tommy Belushi. Boy. Yeah, uh, he was in the original cast sheep. of, the, of uh, Animal House. Yeah. But, loosely. <laughs> and, and because he was so lovable and funny, they made him head of the Central Intelligence Agency. <laughs> Um, but evidently, he's a big proponent of clean energy. 
Uh, well, he would be. Yeah, he would be. Because uh, he's got a serious side. Yeah, yeah. You know, he's got to be likable. popular no with one, the chicks. Yeah, no one takes him seriously, though. He's speaking at this conference. Everyone's like, fall into a cake or something, Woolsey. It's funny. Chug, chug, chug. Yeah, and he's like, guys, this is serious. <laughs> but uh, so he's speaking at this clean energy conference in Seattle uh, with his justification for plug-in hybrids. And he says, not only can they reduce the amount of oil we import, they can serve as battery backups for the power grid. So interesting. Yeah, basically, uh, during he's peak been demand. Reading. Yeah, he certainly <laughs> has. Woolsey is not all just fun and games. Okay, <laughs> I know he has that reputation, but he sometimes he needs to get serious. Um, and he says that during uh, peak utility demand, that uh, if we're in electricity crunch, uh, electricity from the cars could be sent upstream to power the power grid, and it's cheap and cleaner than utilities being used now, like natural gas and coal power plants and stuff like that. So, Wow. Uh, sounds really interesting. And then after that, he was walking off stage, and he tripped and fell and spilled a drink all over some wealthy, you know, high-society woman, and everyone laughed. And they had one heck of an after-party. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he gave someone that a wedgie, Woolsey. and it was hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> that Woolsey's always... Always a party. It'd be cool to have hybrids here in Florida in case a hurricane hit. Then we could use the car as a generator in the house. But how long would it last? I mean, you know what I mean? Yeah. A, car, a car. Yeah, and this guy, Woosley, pointed out that, or the guy who was blogging about this um, said that, you know, we'd have to get to the place where there were plug-ins at your office and everywhere you go. Yeah. And so it's still kind of Down the too road. realistic. Mm-hmm. If, 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 if I mean, you guys haven't realistic. seen the uh, documentary Who Killed the Electric Car, I would highly recommend it. It was in theaters or independent theaters um, a month or two ago. The hybrid, but particularly the plug-in hybrid, is uh, what the film asserted as the direction of the future and the most attainable because you don't really have to change out the current um, gas station grid and all that kind of stuff. It still would operate on gas just minimally and uh, would end up going about um, 300 miles per gallon. Gosh. Yeah, it's it was insane. And it really, and it's only a couple years away from actual wow. production implementation as um, opposed to ethanol, or I'm sorry, hydrogen, which is 10 or 15 years away mm-hmm. from actual implementation, and you have to change the entire infrastructure over. Yeah, and no one wants to drive blimps around. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> um, was Ed Bagley Jr.? In no. the documentary? Well, uh, okay, that's not true. He made an appearance. Um, okay, he has to. There, it was really fascinating. The thing about the hydrogen thing is that right now what they're not telling people is that not only is there no infrastructure and stuff, they have not made an engine that can convert hydrogen to usable power that costs under a million dollars to create so <laughs> far. And they have to get it down to like $5,000 yeah, to make it realistic. And hydrogen explodes yeah. very easily. Well, so does gasoline, so it's okay. I, that's true. I, it's slower burning. I, I, I'll, I'll confer with Sean on this because I don't want to sound too like I got a conspiracy brewing. But, you know, w- w- we still can't figure something out. You well, know, I, I honestly think that Detroit and OPEC and this global alliance of big oil are are suppressing no, some sort true. of alternative energy. They they showed they showed evidence that they were doing that tangibly and knowingly and maliciously suppressing any alternative fuels. Um, OPEC in particular 
but because Detroit's in their pocket and the government's in their pocket, uh, legislation, everything. Yeah, it's not some subversive unknown thing. They documented and proved it. Yeah, because, you. I mean, even like we're talking about, jokingly, like with the space program, they can do all this insane stuff that you can't even fathom, but we can't figure out some way to get cars around town other than oil. No, they can, and they will. And the, But the thing is, is like the, the, the key problem here is anything, like if it's just a straight electric car, it has a limited battery life. You would not be able to take a road trip. You couldn't go more than about 100 miles um, in a day. And, and you know, that limits the ability to use cars. Um, so th- the true solution here is a hybrid situation where you could have enough battery power to drive around your daily routine on just battery power. But if you ever had to go on an extended trip or go further than that, you could use standard gasoline stations to sustain the, the trip. And and that's what they're t- that's why the hybrid technology is now something that's becoming very very feasible. But the plug-in hybrids are so great because uh, the tr- regular hybrids only use battery power up to thirty-five miles an hour. Plug-in hybrids actually, when you go home, you know you you can just plug it in, and the battery life is so substantial that you never have to switch over to gasoline. Uh, during your daily routine, you could hmm. just stay on the battery all day, up to seventy miles an hour. The things are so fast. They go zero to 60 in like four seconds because they're faster than, com- than combustion engines. So the cars are quick. They're silent. They're completely clean. And when you go home at night to plug it in the wall and recharge would cost you the equivalent of about four cents per gallon, quote unquote, um, to refill your tank uh, with electricity. So, you know, one of the things the uh, oil industry has said was, you know, if everybody switches to gasoline to create, or uh, if everybody switches to electricity, that the electric power plants would be overloaded and they are much dirtier than converting or cleaning up gasoline. But they're not dirtier. And if there's more of a demand for electricity, there's always ways of doing that clean. You could do the wind, uh, you know, you could do the solar, you could do. Other ways, even nuclear is very clean. And so you can generate more electricity more cleanly than you can generate more gasoline or more mm-hmm. oil in those refineries. So, yeah. you know, well, even that is a, a moot point. And don't a lot of them have self-generators in the car that at any point of friction, like once you hit your brakes and there's friction calls, that it generates yeah, energy. It kind of recharges itself yeah, a little yeah. bit there. That's These plug-in hybrids are genius. And they're actually, what they're doing right now is there's organizations out there that will take regular hybrids like Priuses and stuff like that, and they will retrofit it to a plug-in hybrid for anywhere from $8,000 to $12,000, like right now. And Hmm. there's shops all over the country that are more and more opening right now in 2006 and more in 2007. Um, But because of that demand, Toyota has announced this year, they announced that within three years, they will have a plug-in hybrid a car model on the market, hmm. like and and that it will cost more mm-hmm. than a regular model. You know, a pr- you know, let's say an Accord would be twenty five thousand dollars. The plug in hybrid Accord would be thirty three, thirty four thousand mm-hmm. dollars. But your usage yeah. costs are so yeah, low; it more pay than pays for it. Yeah. Now, the one inconvenient thing about the plug in hybrid is it runs on two hundred and fifty AAA batteries, <laughs> and they're not included. <laughs> and they're not rechargeable, right? Yeah. yeah, no, that's that's bad. No. It's just fascinating, and and actually, in the new issue of Relevant, which is coming out coming out in a few weeks, uh, there's a there's a little look at hybrids. You know, we we spotlight several of them. I actually learned about several new models I didn't yeah. know about, and uh, and you know, it's just one of those things that responsible living. You know, as Christians, we want to uh, 
live simply and responsibly and you know we don't need to live in excess and one of the ways of doing that is reducing our carbon imprint or our energy footprint that of our consumption and one of the ways we can do that if you have the resources to buy a hybrid is to buy a hybrid yeah and moreover i think uh it comes down to being a good steward of your money as well because who wants to be spending all this money on gas that you can maybe delegate towards uh more useful things yeah like I, buying I, neil I diamond do. albums and stuff yeah yeah or more like cookies and food and get better. <laughs> this segment exactly. sponsored by Toyota Hybrids. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, my only concern is that we got a guy like Woosley heading this thing up. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I mean He's that a pizza party scam. he threw, what a disaster. <laughs> pizza ended up on the ceiling. Yeah. I'm still cleaning pizza off the ceiling, <laughs> Woosley. <laughs> wah, 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 wah. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> <laughs> we got time for one more? Do you well, know? I got one, too. Okay, let's hear let's what do you yours. Um, I have a, a church in Arizona. Leaders, I, I can just do it really quick. There's a church in Arizona who, it's called the Church of Cognizance. Their leaders are stepping down. Uh, now, the church is a little bit inco- unconventional because it considers marijuana not only a sacrament, but also a deity. And the reason why the leaders are stepping down is because they were convicted on federal charges of conspiracy <laughs> and the intent to distribute that hundreds of pounds it. of marijuana. So <laughs> watch um, out for the church of cognizance. And the FBI was tipped off when they noticed that they were buying dozens of cases of Funyuns and combos. <laughs> <laughs> no one, I contend that no one has ever bought Funyuns and not been high at the time they bought them. <laughs> Why else would you yeah, knowingly <laughs> buy Funyuns? Yeah. Oh man, I thought these were Doritos. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Why do they even make Funyuns? <laughs> it's the worst. Like onions and fun do not go together yeah. no matter what. Yeah, it's a vegetable that actually makes you cry. <laughs> I thought it's they were fun. pig intestines. No, those are pork pork rinds. rinds. That's pork rinds. I always see just like Neil Diamond and Neil Young. You funyuns funyuns and and pork pork rinds rinds are the same to me. Well, they both make people cry, but for different reasons. (laughs) All right, I have uh, I have a little news here. This is uh, absolutely nothing to do with funyuns. I couldn't find a segue for the life of me. I was listening. Um, You remember a month or so ago, we interviewed Dr. Joel Hunter, who wrote a book, um, right right wing, wrong bird. Yeah. He talked about the environment and uh, a new um, global warming initiative taken by Christians. Yeah, and how Christians should get involved in more issues than just what he calls below-the-belt issues of sexuality, abortion, and homosexuality, and stuff yeah. like that. That Christians should, if you look at the Bible, uh, the, the things that Jesus talked a lot about, social justice, caring for the poor, uh, caring for creation, he says, you know, those are issues that should define Christianity rather than just being mm. against certain things. Um, anyway, some big news with him happened last week. He was named the new president of the Christian Coalition. No That's still around? Way. The Christian Coalition being the old Ralph Reed organization from the 90s. Uh, still around, have two and a half million people on its mailing list. It's still somewhat of a power, though it's kind of changed focus. They, um, they named him the new president so he can rebrand, redefine, and wow. re-strategize the organization. Wow, that, good for them. That, that's shocking to me because... I mean, he's not all that political, uh, outright political, but he seems more, I associate him a little bit more liberal than I would the Christian Coalition politically. Yeah, he's he's he is a moderate, and he has alienated a lot of the Christian right, and that's actually why they chose him. Uh, They... 
It's something that he really wants to... Um, well, here, here's what he says. Uh, there ought to be more than just gay marriage and pro-life issues because the Bible is concerned with all of life. We need to do everything we can to relieve poverty, to heal the sick, and to protect the earth. Um, he assumes it's a, an unpaid volunteer position. He assumes um, fully on January 1st. Um, and, you know, he's really wanted to chart a new course to redefine Christianity and its act and what it is uh, known for, what it's involved in, and what the core issues are. And uh, not only just politically, but socially and, and that's, whatever. That's encouraging. It's incredibly you know, encouraging. Uh, you know, the thing that confuses me is Christianity up until the late 20th century was the socially progressive religion, you know, not the socially conservative religion. They're the ones who rallied for abolition of slavery. They're the ones who rallied for women to vote. You know, um, they're uh, constantly pacifists. So uh, it's so interesting to me how just in the last, I would say, between 30 and 50 years, it's mm-hmm. gotten entirely turned around. Mm-hmm. And it seems like this guy's taking a step back towards the, the roots of Christian social action. He is, and he's also wanting it to be a true coalition, um, uh, finding key points that he feels are moral, biblical points, but that also, you know, uh, moral non-Christians can stand with as well, or stand mm-hmm. for as well. Moral Jews, moral Muslims, moral atheists yeah. mm-hmm. that say, hey, listen, there's some moral principles that we're standing for, and I don't care what you think about all the other issues out there and what party platform you subscribe to, but if we can agree on these issues, let's make a difference about these issues, mm-hmm. which I think That's is great. a very interesting bipartisan strategy that the religious right completely doesn't employ. Yeah. You know? So we'll see what happens there, and maybe this is kind of a new era of Christian political and social involvement, uh, which is, you know, good to see. All right, well, on that note, that'll do it for Slices. Up next, an interview with Pigeon John. Stay tuned. You're listening to Chasing Victory. Uh, the song is Unrequited Love. It's the featured video this week over at Relevant TV, and the kids love it. It's number one on the countdown, actually. Um, you know, nothing. I've, we figured nothing better to lead in to a hip-hop artist interview than Chasing Victory. Yeah. You know. Metal. Works perfectly. <laughs> works, per- works perfectly. Sets you up really well. So anyway, we were able to talk to uh, Pigeon John earlier this week, and here is that interview. Well, with us on the phone today is Pigeon John. Uh, rap rapper extraordinaire. Uh, his new album is Pigeon John and the Summertime Pool Party, right? Yes, sir. And it released what a few weeks ago? Yeah, yeah, a little over two weeks ago. So, uh, so for for the people who have like known Pigeon John music in the past and uh, heard you guest versing on on all these other artists and heard your your other solo stuff, heard you with LA Symphony. T- tell the listeners how you know kind of what's new about this new album. Uh, absolutely nothing. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, with, I guess with, with this record, uh, uh, I, I wanted to have a, a bigger sound, so, so I got my man Chris James to, um, uh, he's like a one-man band. So we re- replayed most of the samples, uh, recreated things and from the ground up, brought in horn players, string players, bass, guitar, drums analog keyboard, just the whole nine yard and just kind of went all the way with it. Because I think before I was just basically using um, beats and then uh, doing 
making my vocals seem big or trying to fill in the space with the, the amount of tracks and, and doing my vocals different ways. With this one, because we had a, a little more of a budget, I just pretty much blew it on using uh, over, you know, 20, 20 different musicians to have, you know, that, that big, big sound. L- lyrically, are there any themes on this album? Like, is there any overarching kind of theme? Yeah, there is a theme. It's the party. <laughs> Other than that, um, I would say uh, I, I like uh, camouflaging my music or, or my mission in a, in a smile. I think that, uh, I don't know, I think, I think it's just a little, little more uh, uncommon to smile than to you know, be the serious guy with a knife or something like that. I think that's pretty common. So uh, I, I like uh, smiling and, and doing uh, the comedy thing because I know that it, it involves tragedy and it involves um, pain. So I, I think that would be a theme and, the, you know, the kind of uh, tongue-in-cheek uh, title of Pigeon John and the Summertime Pool Party is kind of like the cloak to deeper songs like Last Sunshine or As We Know It, Way to the World and stuff like that. I, I, I think that there's a, a happier side to the record, but also a darker side to the record. But I didn't want to tell anybody that. <laughs> yeah, I, I was going to say, this, the, the song that kind of stuck out to me lyrically was As We Know It. And for people that haven't uh, got a chance to hear it yet, it kind of just it sounds like a conversation between you and God where you're just kind of asking him why there's a lot of bad stuff that happens in the world. How, how did that song kind of come about? Well, my friend Gray Jason used to be in L.A. Symphony, made the track, and uh, it's a, a kid choir sample, and I, I thought they were saying, and now you see why kind of like and now you see why and for some reason i thought that was like god answering all of our questions you always hear like after you die you'll you'll see and and the beat was so chaotic and and pretty at the same time so i said i just it just came into my mind imagine you know jesus really literally coming back and i i sometimes laugh at that because one, I think it's real. Then two, I think with the horse and, and, the, and it's coming down from the clouds. I don't know why I just started laughing at that. Not in a bad way or a blasphemous way. I just think it's really funny and freaking weird. And it's going to freaking scare everyone if it literally happens like that. So I kind of use that theme to start the song in a, in a fun kind of, oh my gosh, what if this actually happened? But then when I started writing the, uh, the conversations, deeper questions just started blurting out. Like, why, why do you let little girls get molested? Knowing that, you know, one out of every four girls gets molested, that's freaking freaking weird. So I kind of wanted to ask all those questions that I think every human in his or her life asked those questions to God, whether in an in a, in a argumentative uh, way or a peaceful way. I think that every single person deals with those uh, questions. So I wanted to write a song that maybe everyone can relate to a little bit, at least. So how was it uh, working with RJD2? Were, were you guys able to work together? Or was it one of those things where they sent you a track? Or how did that go down? Um, with, with RJD2, he uh, sent us like a beat CD, uh-huh. diff- different songs that he wrote. And that came through uh, Lyrics Born, kind of reaching out to him because I never met RJD2. But I wanted to work with him. And uh, that, that, um, that instrumental, that song kind of, stuck out to me and um and i felt like man i need that that tone on my album yeah and uh 
I just uh, he sent he sent us a little session, a little idea session, and and I did the song and uh, sent it back to him, and then he went to town because mo- most of the the way the song sounds now uh-huh. it didn't sound like that when he um, first gave it to me. It was real, real stripped down and real Skeleton. pretty much really elementary, right? And uh, when he sent it back, it, it, it was just in full bloom, and that's when I connected with Jay Live and then he took it up to an even higher level, I believe. Yeah. I might be wrong though. Now anybody who knows your music knows that it's eclectic, that it's it's hip hop, but it's not and and so I'm just curious, like who who are some of the people who influenced you? Who who are you listening to? Um well uh, I am heavily influenced I was with the first Dale I Soul song or first Dale I Soul record produced by Prince Paul. Three Feet High and Rising, as far as an eclectic mix of everything, if you press play on that record right now, it will either compare to the Norris Barkley or blow it out of the water. And that was made in 1988. So for me, that's my foundation because they were fresh out of high school. They didn't didn't care anything about old school hip-hop at that time, which kind of sounds familiar to this this generation. And... uh, they they totally said let's do something absolutely original and that I mean I would I would I know without a shadow of a doubt with the if you ask Nora Barkley about that record they'll they'll bow down to it because they know it's almost equivalent to you know if you're in a rock band and you, you mentioned Led Zeppelin and it's kind of like okay you don't put yourself in that ballpark at all mm-hmm. I think so I think uh, a lot of that stuff I I, I listen to the older um, Hip hop, Paul's boutique, because I know that that's absolutely way more original than any of the newer stuff. Because it was, you know, the first one to do it. Mm-hmm. As far as what influences me um, is like the new Sean Lennon record is ridiculous. All of Elliot Smith's catalog is uh, tremendous. Those singer songwriters, Jason Faulkner, the new Beck record, obvious as well. Amy Mann, all those all those people that I think they're you know they're the bomb to me, and uh, to me they think for me it's like kind of I take them a lot more serious and and kind of want to follow their lead as far as singer songwriter type of thing. Cool. Interesting. Yeah. Yay! But here's the bigger Don't question, worry. John: Who 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 is better, Nas or Q-Tip? <laughs> <laughs> I will stick to my guns, dude. Q-Tip. Word. Here's my argument. <laughs> totally. Q-Tip never changed. He's he's always been the same. His music might have, but he's never been seen. In a, he's never looked ridiculous. Yeah. In my personal opinion. So this fall, what do you got going on? Are you are you on the road? Yeah, buddy. I go out with uh, Cut Timmis, who has a great record out. Yeah. By the way, yeah. and uh, Lyrics Born, and then I hop on the road with Zion I. Wow. And the Grouch, those Bay Area nice. leaders out there. So where can people uh, find out information about the tour? Uh, pigeonjohn.com. Pigeonjohn.com. Or uh, myspace.com backslash pigeonjohn. Well, the album is Pigeon John and the Summertime Pool Party. You've been listening to Pigeon John. Uh, go out, catch him on the road this fall. Hit him up at pigeonjohn.com. Thank you very much for being with us, John. Bye-bye. All right, man. See you.
You're listening to I Love You But I've Chosen Darkness. The song is The Owl. And the band name is the coolest band name ever. Except for And You Will Know Us By The Trail Of Dead. Yeah, that is pretty I don't know. I think I Love You But I've Chosen Darkness is a much better band name. I'll tell you why (laughs) And You Will Know Us By The Trail Of Dead is better. Because it actually starts with an ellipsis. Yeah. So it's time for feedback. Last week we asked you your favorite new fall TV shows and uh, apparently all of you watched two shows. <laughs> Mary Carter says, my favorite new show of the year would be Heroes. My only complaint is that it does not give you enough information in one show. John Potter <laughs> said, my favorite new show is Studio 60 on the Sunset Strip. No explanation. No, it's good stuff. Uh, here, uh, Tony Miles said... Those exact two shows, <laughs> like everybody else did, but he's, he said a little bit of why, like we asked. Uh, Studio 60 said, the pace is amazingly intelligent without getting into the political mumbo-jumbo that West Wing got lost in. It was about the White House. Yeah, it's hard not to get into a little <laughs> bit of political mumbo-jumbo. <laughs> Unless you're a commander-in-chief. It's like yeah. show. somebody can <laughs> <Yeah>. say... <laughs> Um, anyway, he also thinks the religious angles will give people a lot to talk about around the water cooler that just might raise some good kingdom opportunity uh, because water coolers are still very prevalent <laughs> in offices you know, today. We could really use a water cooler. Well, it's called a, it's called a, a soda machine. That's yeah. true. But people just don't gather around it and talk. It's know? true. It's kind of loud. Yeah, yeah, a little hum to it. Um, but. Yeah. <laughs> you fear the radiation. Yeah, when, when <laughs> late in the day when it's been on a while, it, gets a little, it smells a little weird. Yeah, there's kind of that Well, that's the taco I put in from. one day. Oh, okay. <laughs> it's really <laughs> heating up in there. You thought it would accept tacos as payment? <laughs> well, that's all I had. I didn't have my Amex on me, so I shoved a taco in it. <laughs> Just hoping. Um, I like tacos. I would assume the soda machine does, too. Uh, and now it smells funny. <laughs> Luke Sital Singh says Studio Sunset Studio 60 on the Sunset Strip is my favorite new show. It's awesome. And it's not the fact that he said that that made me read that. It's the fact that Luke is from London and he spelled favorite with a U. I'm really curious. Do you get the the show over there What I Like About You starring Amanda Bynes? <laughs> I'm just curious. And do you have Funyuns? Yeah. Are Funyuns <laughs> available there? And if not, what do high people eat? Hi, people. And uh, that I might be a government biscuits. officer over there. That's true. That <laughs> he may, yeah, he may assume I'm what talking about parliament? people on the high street. <laughs> what does Parliament eat? Yeah. <laughs> what do high people? Eat? It's a very distinguished <laughs> high society. Combos. Yeah, funny. It would be Beep. the same answer. Yeah. Crumpets. <laughs> what do you mean? So you know, we kind of lost interest with this week's editorial question because, uh, or last week's editorial question. Because they all just said those two shows. They said Studio 60 and Heroes. So I think we have a consensus. You know, that's good. That's kind of what we want to know. Would there be a consensus? Are there some favorites? Mm -hmm. So yes, there are some favorites. And uh, that's interesting. I think it's more interesting now when I watch Studio 60, knowing that the relationship between Matthew Perry and the blonde chick is... um, is paralleling Aaron Sorkin and Christian Chenoweth's relationship right. that he, the atheist, was dating Christian Chenoweth, the Christian actress. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think that's just really interesting. And I wonder what Christian Chenoweth would have to say about it. Mm-hmm. That is interesting. I wonder why she was unequally yoked. Well, I mean, she didn't marry mm. the guy. <laughs> yeah. she, mm, missionary what? dating, eh? Listen, a lot of people do missionary dating. Yeah. And that's how 
half of Christians have been converted. Missionary dating. <laughs> it's all ha- also it's how right. half of Christians have been unconverted. <laughs> <laughs> right. so it, all, it all evens out. Yeah. <laughs> On average, fifty percent of people. No, zero percent. Oh yeah, you're right. There's no movement either way. Right, either way, <laughs> it's stagnant. Harmless then. Totally harmless. <laughs> On average. <laughs> On average, not totally. taking into account individual ruined lives. <laughs> Or one over lives. People whose lives yeah. have changed positively. Mm-hmm. Okay, so that'll do it for feedback. So now with this week's editorial question of the week. Editorial question of the week. In light of the new direction of the Christian Coalition and, and what we were talking about earlier, we thought it would be cool to hear from you guys. What are the five most important issues that you feel Christians should be involved in in some way? You know, not necessarily politics or whatever, but, you know, what are five you know, issues that we need to be involved in and throw in there how and why. Don't just have two word answers or we yeah. won't read your letter. So, you know, right now the Christian right is defined as do- being political activists for abortion and against homosexuality or against abortion, against homosexuality and little else. Okay. So if our generation is going to kind of redefine Christian activism, what are the things that we should be centering on or focusing on? Uh, what to you personally are, are kind of the main issues that you think should define Christianity moving forward? Send your feedback to editorial at relevantmagazine.com. Do we got any updates? Um, <laughs> I actually, I have a personal update that I'd like to throw out there. Just last night in the mail, I received um, my home state, Kentucky. I received Kentucky's highest honor. My wife and I both were named Kentucky Colonels which is the equivalent in Kentucky of being knighted. What? Kentucky colonels. What does that mean? It, it is takes, it through KFC? Yes. No, it's, it is the same rank that Colonel Sanders held. Uh, it's basically like a, an honorary title bestowed upon you by the state of Kentucky, or the Commonwealth, as we Kentuckians call it. And it, it takes an act of the state legislature and the governor. You get this little certificate signed by the governor and everything. And supposedly we are ambassadors of goodwill the world over for Kentucky. How did that happen? You don't even well, live there. Um, I mean, I, I am probably the native son of Kentucky that they're proudest of. Um, you know, my accomplishments throughout life. And it does help that my uncle is a state legislator. Um, you how, have many, to be, how many members of your family are colonels? Um, I would say, <laughs> I would say a baker's dozen or so. <laughs> Uh, but my uncle, is, he's actually running right now for United States Congress, and I think he's kind of going through his perks as a state legislator quickly, like, oh, I can make people Kentucky colonels. Here you go. Um, and I like to think that has something to do with him being proud of me. Gosh, I just but. keep thinking about corn every time you say that. See, I keep thinking about chicken. Yeah, see, I, I asked you earlier, Adam, and he confirmed that yeah. he was granted access to the 13 herbs and spices. 11 secret herbs oh. and spices. <laughs> no. I, you're, you're actually sent in your packet uh, a sealed letter with a, a wax seal from the ring of the governor. And when you open it, it's a list of the 11 secret herbs and spices. That and they are, of course, that self-destructs. Yeah, it self-destructs. They're encoded, and so you have to Come figure on. out the code. Well, I mean, I can't really say much more than that. I, I would figure something of that um, that sensitive in nature that it would be like delivered on horseback or <laughs> like by hand, not not shuffled to the mail. But it is. It actually is. You know, considered in Kentucky a fair, fairly 
esteemed honor. But yeah, once again, public thanks to my uncle. It was very, very nice of him to think of us. He has been a state legislator for like 10 years, and it's not like instantly he just threw this at us. So, yeah, it was very nice. He waited till you got a stable job. Yeah, now gonna, exactly. Now he's going to ask you for a column in the magazine. Yeah. <laughs> it's, all right. Well, do we have any other relevant updates? Uh, the uh, the new issue, the November issue, is at the printer right now. It'll be shipping in about um, next week, actually. It should start shipping. So be on the lookout for that. The cover is uh, Muse, but we also have interviews with da- Daniel Negreanu, uh, the professional poker player. We have Tony Hale from Rusted Development. Uh, ben Queller and a number of other really cool interviews in the issue. It's a very kind of jam-packed lineup, and we'll tell you more about that in the coming podcast. Um, make sure to tune in to the podcast next week. We have a performance by Phil Wickham. Uh, it's a, he was in the studio uh, recently, and it's a great performance, so make sure to check that out. And then the week after that, we have Mark Estes coming up. So, so lots of good stuff in store, right? Uh, and also in magazine coming out news, uh, if you haven't checked out the, the brand new issue of Radiant, our sister publication, uh, make sure to go over to radiantmag.com and check that out. In the new issue, we talk about kind of refreshing yourself spiritually. And Something we all need to do. Yes. Does that apply to boys as well? It, it can. It can. Boys are welcome to read Radiant. They may feel... Give you a little insight on the opposite sex. It's true. Yes. Know what's going on. Their mm-hmm. hearts, their minds. There, there are several... Um, little slices in there about how much girls love Neil Diamond music. (laughs) (laughs) That's where we got it from. Cover story. (laughs) Sorry to spoil. The new issue of Radiance is actually fantastic. It it looks beautiful. There's a lot of great articles in it. Um, So if uh, if you're a female and you're Christian, uh, I would... You know, definitely suggest checking out RadiantMag.com if you haven't already. Um, It's a magazine for you. You should should read it. And you can walk through the new issue online if you go to RadiantMag.com and click on Current Issue, and it'll tell you everything that's in the issue. Well, don't literally step on the monitor. I mean, I'm just just clarifying. Right. You can't walk through it. It's not like a virtual... Anyway, um, yeah. So check that out. We don't we don't talk about Radiant enough, but Radiant has a wonderful podcast. It's up how every other week, mm-hmm. and uh, it's over at, at iTunes as well. Okay, and that'll do it for this week's edition of the podcast. Many thanks to Pigeon John. Uh, his album is Pigeon John and the Summertime Pool Party, ironically coming out in the fall. And uh, yeah, and that'll do it. So I'm Cameron Strang. I'm Kara Davis. I'm Jesse Carey. I'm Adam Smith. We'll see you next week. Wah 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 wah